0: everyone and welcome to another episode of from no crypto to no crypto i'm your host the crypto coach blockchain wayne today we're joined by nick lambert now nick is with doc.io nick's going to tell us a lot about that but nick first and foremost thanks for joining us today
1: oh, thanks for having me on wayne it's a real pleasure
0: awesome man. i am definitely looking forward to getting into this conversation uh, a lot of what i saw when i reviewed doc is a lot of Utility and 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 there's a need in the market for what you guys do, a need in business for what you guys do. So before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, Nick.
1: Probably the important stuff, Wayne, is is likely that I um, uh, kind of got into kind of I guess technology companies is really where I've been based most of my time, but really got into my aha aha moment with uh, with crypto was probably kind of late 2013. Um, I was working for a a decentralized storage startup, and we were looking for an incentivization mechanism. And so this company, they basically, is a bit like what Filecoin does. And um, people at home contribute their computing power, hard drive space, etc., and are, are paid in some way from this network. And we were trying to figure out, like, how do we do this thing? Why will people want to turn on their computers at home and basically provide resources to this network? And we looked around and of course bitcoin was one of the earliest examples the bitcoin network of a, a way that it incentivized miners for uh, their hashing power and, and running that network and so that led us to down the rabbit hole or certainly for me at least uh, into the rabbit hole of wow you can also do cross-border payments wow this blockchain thing's really interesting and it really started to hit home how significant it was from there so uh, and then really, since then, I've been involved in the, the decentralized or Web3 or crypto space, whatever you want to call it. And now I find myself as uh, a doc. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I never I guess I've heard it explained like that, but that's a
0: simple way to explain how the Bitcoin network operates and the incentive structure. Because people most people say I like blockchain without without crypto or vice versa. You know, they, they think it's one or the other. Uh, but you've got to incentivize the network. Right
1: yeah you can as well i mean you you do get you start to get into the kind of corporate world wayne and what we see a little bit in some of our work is a desire for like private chains so certainly with public chains like ethereum and like uh bitcoin you definitely need that that incentivization mechanism because otherwise why would people go to the effort what we do see in private chains is companies running uh the nodes themselves without an incentivization structure But they kind of have to manage those relationship with contracts and stuff so certainly right to say it makes life a lot easier and to to have those ascent incentivizations already built in
0: yeah that's a good point i mean businesses are already expecting or working in a a network cost into their infrastructure so putting that cost structure into something that could be more secure to where you know they're they're worried about uptime a lot of times so if Downtime for them is bad, so if one server goes down and your net and your whole network doesn't operate, versus you've got an agreement with several other, uh, or you're running it. Even if you're you have multiple locations of your own business, yeah. um, one one location goes offline, the network continues to operate. Exactly.
1: Yeah, redundancy is a huge thing for decentralized networks. Yeah, good point.
0: Yeah, awesome, cool. So Nick, great info. Let's jump into Doc and tell us, um, at
1: its core, what is Doc? Of course. So a big problem that we all see today, Wayne, is how do we trust the data around us? Um, like we see like, you know, the kind of word fake news seem to appear kind of like mid mid 2010s, I guess, and, and really since then it's plagued us. And so we don't really know what we can trust online uh, is a big issue. Um, and, and another issue from that as a business, we don't really know, like if we are getting, let's say hiring for a new job and candidates start to apply and they say, like I've got a degree from Harvard, a degree from Berkeley, sometimes like that that information sometimes you take it its word but then you have right. to sometimes verify that and that process it sucks because it's it's slow and it's expensive so that might require me to to hire a company to do that or i might take the step of actually phoning one of those institutions to find out did Joe blogs go there that cost me you know many days and uh, it slows down the recruitment process so doc really exists to provide a way for businesses to Um, make claims about data, it could be about an individual's um, educational attainment, like a degree, and then when that information exists um, in this digital verifiable credential, the recipient of that can instantly verify it. So really what we're doing is getting rid of all the hassle around uh, verifying data and also enabling people to make claims that we can trust is really what we're doing.
0: Awesome, yeah, that's that's very interesting because I think about that and I think about honestly i lead a remote force and and most of the people that i've interviewed i've i've and hired actually i've taken their credentials at their word there's yep. there's really you know i don't i don't reach out to that college and say hey do they have do you have this degree or show me the degree uh we do take a lot of it at our word obviously um i've been in prior to even running a remote force i've been in the management uh corporate management space for 24 years prior so it was kind of uh you know there obviously there's background checks and stuff but there's yep. definitely times where we've hired people and you have to question okay are those credentials real <laughs>
1: exactly exactly and, and even if in your role like in the roles that we both play wayne like that that could be a situation that's uh, a, a pain that, that like you might hire the wrong person and think well that i know that's not so good because you know the person turned out to be pretty terrible for what i wanted they weren't sufficiently trained or knowledgeable so i'll i'll get rid of them and i'll go hire someone else but if you then think about what if i'm in the field of of, you know hiring medical practitioners or some kind of health and safety thing where i'm trusting that somebody knows how to work a harness at 100 feet in the air because they're repairing telecoms towers or something if you start to get that fraud happening in those types of places like that's when like lives are lost and when businesses get sued and compliance becomes an issue so Yeah, for you and I, it's it's probably a a significant issue, but not really life-threatening. But in other trades, it really becomes a big big factor.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny, I I was listening to a comedian the other day, and I forgot which airline he was talking about, but the airline CEO had said something about they were going to push their hiring focus for pilots on, and he named some different qualifications that had nothing related to being able to fly that plane. And the comedian was like, "Wouldn't you think the most qualified person to fly the plane is who you would want?" Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's definitely important. That it's just you know, kind of emphasizing those those roles that um, can be life or death, can be um, even even cause someone financial ruin if if you don't have proper validation. Um, you know, looking looking at Doc, there's there's quite a few solutions on the on the website when I when I was looking at it um what are what are some use cases interesting use cases you guys have seen um emerge i'm sure there's always those things where you think okay this is how it could be used and just like our protocol somebody does something like oh i never thought about using it like that
1: yeah yeah a really good one that we see and it might be relevant to a kind of crypto audience are things like uh, The industry talks about it a lot, or our industry does, so it's a little bit cliched, but just in case your um, listeners aren't aware, things like uh, reusable KYC is a a great use case. So, uh, you know, if if we are uh, on exchanges uh, and, you know, uh, trading crypto, whatever, you might have, you will likely have multiple exchange accounts. uh, And that's simply because you don't necessarily want to be tied to one way, nor it could be because there are different pairs that, that maybe some exchanges have that others don't have that you want. And so yeah. we end up in a bit of a mess where we have um, a situation where every time we want to go to an exchange account, uh, particularly in the US where you're based, um, and then you would need to verify your account, you have to go through KYC. And that oh, yeah. process is is a is, a, is terrible. It probably takes about 15 minutes, half the time it doesn't work. Um, but you have to go through it again and again and again with different exchanges. Um, But a great use case is imagine you could go through that KYC process once Mm -hmm. with uh, an identity verification provider, an IDV that everyone trusts or subscribes to their service. So I go through that process and they issue me with a credential that basically says the types of things that would be on that identity verification request. Now, if I go to a new exchange, instead of going through that horrific process again, I can just send them my credential over that says on Fido or Jumio or uh, one of these other IDVs had actually verified me that they know who I am, they know where I live, uh, and I can now come onto your platform. All you would have to do is send that credential off. You would overnight, like, you know, revolutionize that that industry, uh, the onboarding rates would go through the roof, and we would get a much better experience as users. So. Uh, reusable um, KYC uh, is is a commonly cited use case because it's such a, a really a good powerful one.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. I think about that. In 2017, uh, was really we saw the ICO craze, right? And a lot of things were happening. And I was finding myself doing KYC on all these different exchanges to be able to get to those trading pairs. You're right. Like, okay, this is only on these exchanges. So let me let me yeah. make an account there. And most people just do it without thinking, but I, the whole time I'm thinking, I, I wasn't comfortable with it because each one of these platforms that I KYC on, I'm giving them my sensitive personal data, my name, my birth date, my yeah. things that can be used to steal steal my identity in Bad Stewards. And the whole point of uh, decentralization is is we don't have to trust one entity. And anytime you see... I, you know, I look back at all these retailers. Think about like retailers, like I know here in the U.S., like Target, Home Depot, and others. They've all had data breaches where there's their users' yeah. sensitive information have been breached. So anytime there's a honeypot per se of information that hackers would be want to target, they're going to go after it. And that's what all these exchanges were creating. And now I think about, it, I mean, some of those exchanges now are defunct. So what yeah. happened with their data? You know, you could even have the people that run Exchange, if they're bad actors, when they go down, they could be like, okay, now we're going to sell our users' data to make one last final exit. And um, just being able to verify without that is is yeah definitely
1: Exactly. You, you can control your own data. Like you say, it resides like, you know, uh, with the space that the Docker in. I mean, we're putting a lot of this these decentralized identifiers that that an individual's responsible for um, and all these credentials that I mentioned, which are basically just uh, kind of claims uh, that are made um, that potentially can contain identity stuff, that all resides with you in your own wallet that you control the private keys to. So, you know, like you say, there is no honeypot there. It's just a, a case of one individual managing their own wallet. They can back that wallet up in case they lose it, but it really does change that power struggle between... The company effectively owning your data and trying to manage it or mismanagement, mismanage it, like you mentioned, um, or you can control it yourself, which is really what Web3 is all about after all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think about it. I, I mentioned before we started the uh, the interview here, the recording. I live in Louisiana in the United States, and we just got notified that the Office of Motor Vehicles here has been compromised. Oh, so wow. All of our data is oh. out there, you know, and, and really... That's just—it's the that that I guess that's the. You know, I, I guess I've heard. We, we we also talked about Andreas Antonopoulos before. I've followed him for a long time, and he mentioned that there there's two types of uh, centralized entities that that control your data like that. Those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked.
1: Yeah, uh, know, you know. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen.
0: Nick, tell us a little bit more about, um, I noticed when I looked at the site, there's a web three identity layer, docs web three identity layer. Can you explain what that is and how that works?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So um, many of us will be be using tools that we're not necessarily aware of what's happening behind the scenes. So one of the things that that we use a lot today um, is something called uh, open authorization or OAuth. and we use it, actually, you will see it listed as things like signing with Google or signing with Facebook is most often. And th- those services were really smart at sol- solving a UX problem because before that, those different mechan- signing mechanisms came along. We all had like a million you know, usernames and passwords for each and every individual site we went to. And if, unless you used a password manager, it was just a mess. And so if you're a, a little bit lazy or you, you value convenience, you might click sign in with google um, and you can use your basic your google login which you only need to remember one of and you can access multiple sites the issue with that is google basically know everything that happens after that point so they know what sites you're going to how long you're there like all the pages you're looking at etc and so what we are doing with web3id is a way for that same convenience um, to exist where you can literally log in in our case log in with web3id but instead of that information, you know, the uh, where you go after that, all of that stuff, that's not logged or known by anyone. So behind the scenes, we would issue you with uh, a credential that you sign yourself. You use it to log into whatever service supports signing with Web3ID, and then that gets thrown away. And then you can go on your way and do what you want, and nobody is able to track you. So what we're trying to do with it is is give you a cool Web3 way of uh, giving you better user experience. Um, but also keeping you kind of secure as well. So you're still getting access to these sites, but you're not giving away uh, what you're up to and you don't have to remember like a, a username and a password.
0: Yeah, Man.
1: <laughs> you, you are
0: so right. I think, uh, again, I'm one of those that I, I don't really feel comfortable with the use Google login. But I'll I'll be honest, I've, I've used it from time to time, right? You're
1: yeah.
0: uh, trying to be efficient, trying to jump from one to another. Let me just sign in with this. Let's just
1: exactly. do it, right? But I think, and then you're not alone, um, waiting in doing that. Like, I mean, I do it as well, even though I should know better, but sometimes you're just in a rush. And unfortunately, like we're humans and part of the human condition is we're a little bit lazy. And uh, yeah, sometimes you just want to get things done as conveniently as possible. Um, and then we'll take those shortcuts. Um, so yeah, I, d- I don't think you're alone in doing that. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So we've talked about some different use cases for doc. Um, what about, I would think in like in healthcare, that would be something. Is there, is there a use case for doc in, in the it healthcare is. industry? Yeah, there's
1: a couple, actually. Wayne, that I could talk about one might be the, the holy grail, I suppose, is getting to a point where you can manage your own health records. Um, you know, so uh and there's it's probably not the technology that holds that back it's more the the legals and the Mm -hmm. the, the kind of different markets so like in the us where i know you're based like it's a very fragmented healthcare system that runs different from state to state um and sorting all that stuff out is going to take quite a lot of time uh the uk is a little bit different it's a lot more centralized it's really just one uh public provider um but it's, uh, it's still tricky. Um, but ultimately you could get to a point where we could each hold our um, medical records as credentials in a wallet. And so the idea would be that you might go to your general practitioner, your GP's um, uh, surgery, and you might know you've got an appointment. And you, they might say, look, I want to access your medical records so that when we're discussing whatever ailment you have, I, I have some backgrounds. And so they might make a request to you in your wallet and you would say, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to see Dr. Jones, I'm going to give them access to, to this part of my medical records and then you can interact and then you can remove their access access at the end. So that's a really powerful uh, one that I think we'll see in the future but I think is a little way off. And um, The other yeah. one that we see Wayne is actually more around the workforce part. So if you're a medical practitioner working almost anywhere in the world, if you move your location either from state to state in the US yeah. or even different parts of the, the UK where I'm based, um you need to go through a manual verification of your licenses and your competencies and right. so that can often be an in person meeting many months in advance you need to take all of the the material that you have and it can take the administrators of that health service you know many more months to actually sign you off as compliant in case they get sued or something like that but imagine as a healthcare practitioner you had some kind of national body award you with all your licenses and credentials and you showed up for work the day that you wanted to work somewhere else, and you literally showed them your credentials, you presented your credentials, and they said, yeah, I can instantly verify those. I know who issued them to you. I know they were issued to you because they're all cryptographically signed, like any kind of crypto transaction. Um, And I'm comfortable that you have those those licenses, and then you can start work immediately. So I think that's one of the use cases that, that we're seeing that potentially could happen quite quickly. Awesome, yeah. You know, Nick, this really excites me. Uh, I've always been a big
0: fan of things that really show people utility and how this technology can be used in the in, in the real world other than just obviously finance and money is important, but it's not everything, right? There's so much more that you can do than just to have a, a cryptocurrency that's on chain that you can use to pay for things. Being able to have... Uh, this type of technology, utilize, and it's solving problems. It's not just saying, okay, we're taking it from a centralized system to a decentralized system, but it is solving real-world problems, efficiencies. Uh, that, that's really what we need to need to see. Now, I do have a question. I don't want to go too deep on the tech because I know a lot of our listeners are just trying to learn about uh, the cryptocurrency and blockchain space and, and how it can be utilized. But I, my one question is, those credentials you talk about how are they stored? Is it uh, just a transaction on chain or is it in essence uh, like an NFT that, that someone would have in their wallet?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's uh, you don't actually need to put any part of the credential on chain. So you could send uh, me, let's say you wanted to send me like a proof of attendance, like I've attended um, your your podcast, Wayne. You could send me a credential and all that need to go on chain is actually your um, your DID, your issuer profile, we would call that. So you would basically say, look, I'm Wayne and I'm, I'm sending this over, but the credential itself can go through like some encrypted route or it could be sent in some kind of file through uh, an email service. But basically okay. nothing needs to go on chain apart from yes. your public public ID. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. And then these are stored potentially in uh, what we'd advocate for as the individual's wallet. So like any... Um, off exchange uh, crypto wallet. Uh, So like whether it's a MetaMask or something else, but a wallet where it's potentially an app on your phone, could be a desktop app, but something where you're controlling the private keys and nobody else can actually access that wallet without you giving them access. Um, And so that's really where they would be stored um, and only you would potentially have access to them, uh, which is what gives it that security and gives the user the autonomy that that's so important in this space
0: yeah it definitely makes sense because you wouldn't want all of that if if there's an nft in my wallet anybody can see it so yeah maybe like a, a college diploma wouldn't be bad a college degree having that as an nft that's not yep. transferable in your wallet. But yeah, some of that other data, you're right, yeah. it doesn't need to be. The
1: only issue with NFTs, and there's a thing that you may have heard, and I don't know if this is like slightly more advanced than you'd want, but there's a, a discussion around, I think Vitalik, uh, obviously the founder of Ethereum, he calls them soulbound NFTs, yes. uh, which you talk about identity. And so being linked uh, to, to one user exclusively, and they can, like you say, they can't transfer them, they can't sell them, they can't do anything. The only issue that that can cause is for the most part, a lot of that information is on-chain. So it's fine if that NFT is not having, like, let's say, lots of personally identifiable or PII information. Mm-hmm. But in yeah. many cases, it's putting a lot of data on-chain that doesn't always need to be there. So soulbound sure. bound tokens definitely have a good use case. I'm not always co- convinced they're the best for like, identity-type things.
0: Right, unless there's some kind of privacy layer. Um,
1: exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I know
0: that they're able to add unlockable content to an nft to where only the owner can see yeah. that but yeah you're right that definitely causes some things now concert tickets or sport events tickets as nfts those yeah. are great because it's, it's almost like a social aspect after you've gone to that concert or sporting event you've got yeah. the ticket in your wallet as kind of like memorabilia but other, uh, exactly. you're, you're right personal data you don't yeah. want to
1: it could also be like if they're good for like loyalty schemes as well like you say so if you go to something or you go to an event and like you know it could be anything from like a a nike shoe event and then they might want to reward you and say well here's an nft that that actually can entitle you to to money off but what they could actually your next set of sneakers but what they can actually do is make sure you can't transfer that so instead of like these benefits getting passed around users that maybe nike doesn't want they can actually make sure that you're the one that benefits. There's a lot of different awesome use cases for for that type of technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're speaking my language. One of the things that we've put a focus on recently is educating business owners and business professionals how to utilize this technology in their day-to-day business. And NFTs is kind of where there's the biggest uphill battle because NFTs got such a bad rap from all the hype and the scams. I mean, anything in general, but the technology is amazing. And that's one thing I teach is loyalty rewards, or memberships, we did an event last week in New Orleans and we gave all the attendees a POAP NFT. Now, we haven't added any utility to it, but if I wanted to do something, I could always drop a code or something for those people to, to redeem. Yeah um yeah so that that's definitely yeah. where we need to see it going
1: and see what you're describing there is we, we like we see this a lot as well like one of the kind of biggest barriers that we see to adoption and we kind of like talk talked already today about lots of like clear benefits and like you talk obviously sounds like you're also talking to business owners as well a lot of the time the difficulties they have are like almost imagined or it's down to like bad press around like crypto kitties nfts crypto more generally being a place where it's just scammers and the reality is there's scammers for sure but there's plenty of scammers going on in, in the you know the fiat uh, system as well banks are losing billions a year so it's definitely frustrating that you have this amazing technology that's totally neutral like technology doesn't do bad and good it's the people that do bad and good and it's putting them off like trying to harness this stuff so it sounds like probably you and i go through similar yeah difficulties when we're trying to get businesses and people aware of the technology and how they can use it yeah
0: all the time I mean really that was a conversation I had two days ago with somebody a business owner in New Orleans and he's like there's so many scams I was like yes there's and I same thing like you there's scams everywhere right and I said and the benefit of having open decentralized technologies where anybody can use it anybody can also create a scam but also what you see is, that's what's being highlighted right now in the media and stuff are the scams. Until we start focusing on real, real world utility, how can you use it? How does it really solve a problem? And I'm sure you've probably heard this before many times with multiple um, speakers in the space is not everything needs to be on chain. Not everything yeah. needs to be on a blockchain. Yeah. If you Don't just do it to say, okay, we're doing this on a blockchain. No. How does that solve a real need? What problems does that does that resolve or how does it improve efficiencies? Uh, and I think once we get there, we'll see, we can highlight utility more than just speculation and, and in essence, I call it degenerative gambling where people are just throw money at it. Then Then you'll see the space get a, you know, a lot more positive attention, but it's gonna always happen. There's always gonna be scams. There's still the Nigerian print scan that was going on for what, I think three, four decades now, it's still yeah. going on. Uh, but more and more people are aware of it, understand it. it's not as effective as it was in the early yeah. days. Uh, now they're getting more elaborate with scams, even outside of crypto. I used, I used to see all the time uh, people uh, people running it that were getting scammed on the phone, and they were thinking they had to go to these stores, retailers, and buy gift cards to pay either the IRS or to help get a family member out of jail that, that they heard was in trouble. So scams yeah. just, uh, they, they typically pop up where in any technology where people can prey on people's ignorance.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Like the, I heard about that. Obviously that's an on the Nigerian Prince thing is, is by heard it was on the news the other day. And it's, it was talking about how like modern credit cards and banks are, are basically ins- you're insured against those types of things. So, and they basically said you're as well as a user, like running the odds and basically sending that money to the Nigerian Prince. So you send him the thousand dollars he sends you like, Ten Bitcoin back because, for the most part, you'll always get your money back. And maybe there's right. one time in a million that he's actually genuinely an <laughs> Iberian <laughs> prince looking for that thousand yeah. so, uh, dollars. You know, it was quite funny, but uh, it does show you, like, um, uh, yeah, these things have been around for such a long time. But we're, you know, in some cases, we're insured against them.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So th- that's it. until we focus more on utility. We've got, to, we've got to pretty much overshadow the scams. We can't just say, oh, the scams are going to go away. We're going to educate more people because scammers rely on ignorance of people to where they don't really understand how something is, and that's where they're more apt to give someone their money. And then, two, um, highlight the utility instead of just, you know, I had someone the other day hit me up, and they were they were telling me over the phone, I think it was last week, that they were launching a token, and they were going to build this NFT marketplace and that. I'm like, how is that different from what's out there? Yeah. Like, let's focus on utility. What can you do that's different that differentiates you in the market? And it looks like what you guys have done at Doc is that you you've taken the technology and shown people how it can solve real world problems.
1: Yeah, I mean, crypto is very very powerful, and, and there is a lot you can do with it. And it's right that. Um, you know, what you're describing as well, because one thing we try and avoid and I'm definitely not saying we've got this nailed down, but it's something we do try and focus on is we quite often like see people in our industry um, talk when they're trying to like say how they're different. Uh, in the example you gave when they might just start giving you like techno babble or saying it's, oh, it's decentralized or it uses a blockchain. But for the most part, like businesses, investors, people, they actually don't care. They just want to know, why should I care? Like why, what different benefits does it give me? So for a lot of the time, we actually hide away the fact that there's a blockchain involved for us or that, that there's tokens potentially involved or some of these other things because actually all that our customers care about and, and the individuals that use us is, is the data fraud proof? Can I prove very quickly or instantly um, who said what and when? The answer is yes, well then I'm interested, but. If we try and put forward like the technical workings of our systems as the kind of the sales uh, pitch to people, they just they're not interested. Right. And really so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I tell people a lot. A lot of the same thing is most people don't really care about the the technology behind it. Is it on a blockchain? Is it not? They just want to know, does it work? Is it secure? Can I trust it? um they they don't really care they just and and does it make my life easier does it solve a problem that i have and that that's what we've got to focus more on uh we've kind of do something uh similar we're working on a a wallet right now that users can use for really anywhere but mainly uh games are starting to integrate them into their gaming platform to where the user just signs up and doesn't even realize they've spun up a non-custodial wallet because one thing we've learned is friction is you're trying to get a user into a game from, say, the Web2 space. They come in, yeah. and they have to set up a MetaMask, and then they've got to write down their seed phrase. That's all kind of friction that you, you're losing them. Because yeah. most of them aren't going to care that it's, that it's a blockchain, that there's assets on-chain involved. They don't even care what chain it is. They just want to know, can I get in and play it? And exactly. same thing with users. Can I get in and use this technology? Um, and, and I, I mentioned NFTs earlier and I think that's one of the words that I think is just going to go away. The technology is always going to be a non-fungible token, but most people aren't going to care what that is or even understand it. They just know it's a digital asset. It's a digital membership. It's a digital, um, and it's something, whether I can transfer it, I can't transfer it. They'll, they'll know that it's that and not say, oh, it's an NFT.
1: (laughs) I agree. It's almost like we need to get to the point, Wayne, like we, we all kind of wonder when mass adoption's gonna happen, like whatever that means, it'll mean different things to different people, but really to get like, mo- I guess maybe most or, or a good portion of the internet users using crypto in some way, whether it's like tokens or, you know, something or credentials or identity or something else. But I think we'll only get there when people don't even know whether it's a web two thing or a web three thing or they really shouldn't care. Like that's the point where if they can just use it, um, then, then it's going to get really big. But, and, but whilst we still keep talking about web three and this is a web three thing, and this is a web two, you know, if it's obvious to people that, and it's difficult to use, like you say, they're not going to use it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really what happened with, with phones. And it doesn't matter how great your technology is. We need a lot more people thinking about that end user experience. Um, I give an example all the time. Um, You know, the big debate on phones here is iPhone or Android. I'm an Android person. Uh, And I tell you all the time, Apple doesn't make the best phone. They don't have the best technology out there. But why are they so successful at what they do? And it's centered around ease of use. Yeah. Most people don't care about a lot of the technology, the features. They just want to know, is it simple?
1: Can I use it? And the software is designed around the hardware. Like that's the big thing, yeah. like, obviously Android, it's lots of different operating systems. And, and that's wh- why a lot of people like it is because it's this kind of open platform, lots of companies like innovating in the space and using it. But like, they're still, you know, they're, you know the, the difference in that and Apple is the whole ecosystems designed for the software and the hardware to run together, which makes it so easy to use. But like you say, it's right. a pretty closed ecosystem. So it's not right. for everyone.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely, absolutely cool nick so as you know as we start to wrap up and 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 a lot of great topics we talked on here man i think there's so many good sound bites out of here that we'll be able to pull just because uh, this is what people need to hear and, and I, I always get excited when i talk about utility and so before we tell everybody where they can find out more about doc um what what are those we mentioned some different industries but if we have business owners or business professionals listening to this What are what are the types of people that you want to reach out to you, the the types of people that would have an interest to get started today and and really contact you guys to start working with you?
1: Yes, really any business that's looking to um, basically prove a piece of data. So example could be like a health and safety training company or an online learning uh, course. So they could a student could complete a training course, whether it's online or in person. And if that's something that they want to take with them, the completion certificate, and then prove at a later date that they they obtained that, that's exactly a, you know a really good use case for a doc. Other ones that we see are even like with big companies, like financial service companies, um, things where you might need to go and complete loan paperwork. Wayne, and there's like 20 million people in the America who take out like small loans every year. Uh, so they maybe take out five hundred dollars, a thousand dollar loans. Eight or 12 times a year and they complete the same forms over and over again each time but imagine their employer who has all this verified data about them like their name address you know how much money they earn, how long they've been there all the stuff that a financial service company would want they can package that up as a credential and give that to the employee and the employee can go to a loan company and say look at this signed thing that's already verified by my employer they can get access to, to loans much more quickly and really better quality loans. So things like financial services, um, training stuff like I mentioned, and kind of workforce stuff like the the health, uh, the the kind of medical practitioner, those are the types of, of industries that, that we think we can make a big difference.
0: I, that's exciting to hear. As I mentioned, we're starting to work with a lot of businesses, even locally, trying to foster adoption by educating them and, and getting them to start using this technology and one of the things I mentioned I'm in Louisiana I live right outside of New Orleans and New Orleans New Orleans has a bit of a tech presence so there's more tech forward-thinking people Uh, where the town I live in outside of New Orleans is more oil field related and and there's not a lot of people that are really thinking like tech forward and we've kind of kind of struggle with that as I talk to people to try to educate them about this space but um, safety certifications in the oil field is 100%. is massive 100%. so that's yeah. that's a real use case that i can point some of these people to and you want to understand how this technology works how you can use it here uh yeah. so now i know i've got a resource i can share a doc with them tell them to connect exactly. um, and learn more because that sounds like it would solve a problem they have because you have workers here that then may have to go pick up shifts or do some work in texas or right. somewhere else where maybe a little bit different uh, you know somewhere they're not used to working and e- easily be able to verify that someone has the safety credentials they're supposed
1: to have yeah. And it's not like a card, like in the UK, it's quite commonplace So if you access a a construction site or a mining site or something like that, it's literally a a laminated card that anyone could make and anyone could change. And they're working in super dangerous environments. So yeah, it's it's a really good use case.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these docks and ports where you got to have cards, certain cards, credentials to get in. You're right. It's just a laminated card that if somebody really wanted to duplicate, it's not... They may have a special hologram, and that's the best exactly. they have for security.
1: Yeah, and how much better is it? Like we all, for the most part, carry smartphones uh, these days. So, not, not. I mean, some, uh, some environments like Wayne, there's, we've heard stories of people carrying about cardboard folders with their credentials because it's not as nice and neat as a laminated card. But for those people, like imagine just putting it in a credential and a wallet in your phone. Like it's, you know, you're carrying it anyway. It's, it's so much easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome, Nick. Well, as we wrap up, tell everybody where they can find
0: out more information about Doc and, and connect with you guys.
1: Awesome. Yeah, they will do. So our uh, main website is doc.io, like you said. Um, a really good place to go for people. We've actually got a no-code solution built. So a big part of us is, like you said, like proving utility, but it's not only for developers. So if you go to certs.doc.io, you can actually sign up for like free free trial and then just actually start with our no-code solution. Creating uh, decentralized identities and then sending credentials to whoever you want. So uh, that would be a good place to go. Um, I think Twitter is at dot network, and you can also sign up to our newsletter on our main website as well.
0: Awesome, and I'll have all those included in the in the descriptions below as well. And interesting to hear. I'm actually personally also taking a mental note. I'm going to go and 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 play around with the technology. I love to see use cases like that. I love to see, and then. I can add that to my, I guess you could say, my repository of, okay, you want to do this, this is where you need to go uh, for your business.
1: Yeah, awesome, uh, so, yeah, any any issues, let, let us know, Wayne, but yeah, hope, hope you enjoy it.
0: Awesome, I, yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad your team reached out uh, to, to schedule this interview. Uh, I can also think of a few other uh, colleagues I have in the space that have shows, many of them with more followings, they focus on a lot more general, um, right general knowledge, general information. So love to see you guys yeah. out out there more. Please send so them our way. Absolutely, and if you're listening to us, make sure to check out doc.io, try it out as Nick mentioned, and try it out for free with their no-code solution, and follow them on socials. One of the biggest things is keeping up with projects that are doing stuff. I mean, this technology is evolving and happening so fast that you wanna follow socials just because of, there may be updates. And Nick, I mean, we may do a follow-up in six months, or or so and you guys may have uh um you know more uh more ideas more products more solutions coming out um we didn't talk much about it but i I, i've seen uh, talking to colleagues in the industry uh ai is accelerating their development quite a bit you know that's that's creeping in everywhere
1: (laughs) yeah and depending on when you publish this we've actually got kind of fairly big announcement coming out in the crypto space probably i mean timing wise for us it'll be like mid-july but i don't know when this will this will hit but uh Yeah, Yeah. and hopefully people will be hearing a lot more about
0: us. Yeah, you'll be, you'll actually, this will be after that. So you guys listen to this. This is, this is already live. Did you want to say a little bit more about that? Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) Not yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. So keep an eye out. Gotcha. All right. Understood. Understood. All right. Awesome. So Nick, thanks again for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you sharing all this information with the listeners. Um, any final words before we cut out?
1: No, I really appreciate you having me on. I think it's really great what people like you are doing, Wayne, trying to like, you know, a lot of us are educated about the space, but like the only way that we keep growing it is, is bringing new people in. So all the work you're doing uh, is definitely appreciated by everyone else in the community.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, Nick. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.